Those with a drive to go have an undeniable calling. They are not content to simply have a transformative idea. They want to create and build. They want to wrestle challenges to the ground and bring solutions to scale. They are makers and doers. They are go-getters. Go-Getters features straight-up conversations with leaders on the forefront of change who are taking action to impact our world, just as Lehigh people have done for more than 150 years. Join us as we explore their challenges, their passions, and what makes them go. Welcome. Our go-getter today is Dr. Elsa Reichmanis, a groundbreaking researcher and pioneer in the world of micro lithography. Elsa joined Lehigh University in September 2020 as the Carl Robert Anderson Chair in Chemical Engineering. She comes to Lehigh from the School of Chemical and Biomecular Engineering at the Georgia Institute of Technology. Before Georgia Tech, she served as the Director of the Materials Research Department at Bell Labs. Elsa is a member of the National Academy of Engineering. She recently was named a Fellow of the American Institute of Chemical Engineers and a Fellow of the National Academy of Inventors. She is the former president of the American Chemical Society, and she received her PhD and BS degrees in chemistry from Syracuse University. Elsa, thank you for joining me. Thank you, happy to be here. Was there a, a moment, an epiphany? When, when did you know you were destined to be a chemist? My chemistry high school teacher was fantastic. And from her class, I just really enjoyed chemistry and decided that's what I wanted to study. Yeah. And yeah, I think she ended up inspiring a number of students in the class to really go into STEM. Now, uh, I'm going to make some air quotes here nobody can see, but you know, you're, you're kind of a big deal in chemistry. Um, those those are my words. You, I, yeah, you, you are kind of, a, let's, let's be honest, you are, you are not kind of, you are a big deal in chemistry. Pioneering researcher, member of National Academy of Engineering, received many honors, including Perkins Medal, which is the highest honor in the U.S. chemical industry. Can you tell us, the audience, and mostly me, because I, I would like to understand more, and um, so I'm going to ask you to do it in, in a basic language, a little bit about your work and... and uh, uh, lith lithography. All right. So all of us probably have cell phones and computers and just about every gadget, well, every appliance is electronic at this point. Yeah. And what makes those work, in addition to all the computer science and programming, etc., are things called integrated circuits or silicon chips. Part of the manufacturing process for silicon chips is called microlithography. It's kind of how do you get the wiring diagram for the circuits onto, let's say, a square centimeter, maybe half a square inch of a flat, hard silicon substrate get the patterns that you need small enough that you get the memory and the characteristics that you need to store information and move information. And so 
what the way we do that is through coating the flat substrate with a polymer. Another way of looking at that, it's a plastic of some sort, that if you expose it to light, it can change the chemical structure to be either soluble or insoluble in, some, let's say, water or some solvent. Does the solubility and solubility factor, is that a one-time uh, decision or does different light, light rays, like frequencies change that, that, so, that interaction with the polymer? So different light can change the interaction with the polymer and the polymer is designed to work with a particular wavelength of light. Right? So when I first started, the visible light was being used. Right. But it's diffraction limited in how small you can get the features. So there was an interest in going to shorter wavelengths of light, so-called UV light. Ultraviolet. Ultraviolet light. So then, all right, I was part of the team that helped to design new chemistry that could be used with these shorter wavelengths of light. And then with that chemistry, also involved in developing the processes where, all right, you shine light on this polymer, you can get a pattern, but depending on how you do the processing, you get a nice pattern that you can easily transfer into the silicon so that you have the wiring diagram you need, or it doesn't work so well. And, and so, you know, there's a lot involved, and that's the engineering piece of it more than the chemistry piece. And that, dragged me in a, and that team you mentioned was at Bell Labs? That team was at Bell Labs. So um, I've been attributed to no discoveries, no creation of new knowledge. So I'm curious, for you who have made discoveries and contributed new things to, to humankind, is it the journey or the destination when you're, when you're creating or inventing something new? Both. So, there's a dynamic between the pure scientist interested in exploring for the sake of discovery. You know, just it's fascinating, wanting to find out about it. And then there's the engineering side that is in many ways more goal-oriented, where there, there's a targeted application. And so what I enjoy is sort of the in-between piece where you know, there's a goal in mind, but I want to understand it and do science along the way to be able to understand why something may work and then through the why, be able to design something better. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of both, not just one. <laughs> Thank you. You're clearly, obviously, we talked about your academic achievements and then your work at Bell Labs. You found the right podcast as a go-getter. You are clearly a go-getter. And I, and I want to... Thank you. <laughs> I want to uh, I, I wanna ask about that transition from industry to higher ed, right? Leaving Bell Labs and landing at Georgia Tech. Was that 
intentional circumstances and accident, all of the above. How did how did you make that shift from industry to higher ed? And I'll preview my follow up question. What what was that like? What were some of the differences you found early on, challenges or opportunities? Well, going back to what you said earlier, probably all of the above. Um, I I really enjoyed Bell Labs, uh, but at about the time that I was moving, or about the time that I moved uh, to academia, um, Bell Labs was going through a tough time. Uh, it was shortly after the telecom bust, and so the parent company, Alcatel-Lucent, was having more than its fair share of challenges in the marketplace, which meant that the overall organization needed to shrink. And that created an opportunity for me to think about, this is going to sound strange, but what do I want to be when I grow up? Um, you know, and, you know, all right, I could move into an area that was much more business-oriented, more directed, continuing to do the kind of research that I had been doing probably wasn't going to be a path to be successful. And so what else would be an interesting opportunity? And I had a lot of mentors at Bell Labs um, who created opportunities for me. And I also had an opportunity to, in turn, work with and mentor um, undergrads, grad students, postdocs, in their research while I was there. And I enjoyed that experience and felt that, all right, at this point in time, maybe there's something that I could offer to the academic community that you know, might lead to success in younger generations. And that sort of led me down the path of thinking about academic positions and ultimately moving into academia. And when you were at Georgia Tech, you, uh, I would imagine, had to build a research team of some kind? Right. And, and were there, um, how germane was that activity from building a research team at a place like Bell Labs or, you know, in terms of trying to source talent in academia? What were you looking for in postdocs or graduate students or even undergraduate students when you were building that when you were building that team? So in many ways I was looking for the same thing. Students who were excited about the opportunities um, and were eager to learn um, and expressed an interest in what they may be working on. I think the the biggest difference is in building collaborations and networks at Bell Labs, it was working with a peer group where I was already working with people who had, you know, were already established and successful. And the way that we were able to make progress was through collaboration because group sizes were small. Maybe it was a principal investigator with maybe a technician, bachelor's level 
scientist or engineer working with them, and occasionally a postdoc. Right, so the team sizes were very small. So you, you get more done by collaborating. In the academic environment, there are a lot of talented young individuals, but they don't have the experience yet. And so it's really working with less experienced people, getting them to the point where they develop the experience to be independent researchers. So that's the challenge. It requires a bit more patience, and probably patience I did not have when I started out at Bell Labs. Uh, but it's also really rewarding to see someone come in as a student interested in learning and then graduate as an independent researcher able to choose directions for new research and be successful at it. You're listening to Go-Getters Podcast from Lehigh University, and we'll be back in a minute. How can artificial intelligence be used to combat human trafficking? What will future finance jobs look like? How do algorithms improve efficiency? If you're looking for insight on current hot topics or just love to learn, join a Mountain Talk. In these 30-minute video chats brought to you by Alumni Relations, a Lehigh expert shares new discoveries and perspectives on challenges facing our world today. Listen live or on demand. Visit gocampaign.lehigh.edu slash engage. Hi, I'm Garrett Linderman, Lehigh Class of 2020, and my voice might be familiar. During my four years at Lehigh, I spoke with thousands of alumni as a caller for the Lehigh Fund. Being a Lehigh Liner taught me how important the fund is to supporting the Lehigh experience, especially the financial aid that I depended on. Now that I'm on my way to law school, I am more than ever aware of the value of my degree and the impact alumni can have through the Lehigh Fund. Please visit give.lu slash go-getter to make your gift today. Thank you. You mentioned collaboration and I'm, I'm curious, how similar or, or dissimilar are the incentives for collaboration at a place like Bell Labs versus being in higher ed, either at Georgia Tech or at Lehigh, just generally in the academy versus being in private industry? So at Bell Labs, it was a way of life. Um, and it was something which I just naturally adopted. I like working with people one, I like learning about new things and being able to work at interfaces between disciplines. When I was looking for an academic position, I was specifically looking for an environment that I felt would support a collaborative environment, collaborations, multidisciplinary research. And so when I was in the first looking, you know, the environment at Georgia Tech within the chemical engineering department was very much one that supported collaborations and interactions. Um, and that just felt right. I would say that what I've seen at Lehigh has been very similar. And I think I've also seen an interest in building on that momentum to 
develop more broader multidisciplinary activities yeah, that really rely on collaboration. Uh, and, and that's part of what also attracted me to Lehigh. And that was going to be, you, you foreshadowed my next question. What, what did tempt you to come to Lehigh and, and, I, and as it relates to moving from, from Georgia Tech back to the, to the Mid-Atlantic? So there, there are a couple of aspects of it. Um, the first one is that I grew up in the Northeast, spent a significant amount of time in New Jersey. And Bell Labs was in New Jersey. Bell Labs yeah, was in Murray Hill, New Jersey. Yep. Right. Um, so the Northeast was kind of home. The, the culture in the Southeast is different than the culture in the Northeast. And I'd say I, my husband and I never completely got adapted to the Southeastern culture. We also kind of miss change of seasons. And then, yeah, I got a call about the opportunity at Lehigh. Admittedly, when I initially heard it, my reaction was, no, why would I do that? But there was an opportunity that we were coming up here, it was in the summer, to visit our daughter in any case. The flights were already arranged, date was set, everything, and they're working, so we've got an afternoon to kill. We're flying into Allentown anyway. You know, all right, I'll stop by, take a look. Will you? Nothing, nothing to lose. And I was impressed. I was really impressed. And it appeared that Lehigh was making an investment in you know, sort of science and technology in general. There was the new initiative in health, but it was broadly in research. And it seemed exciting. And the I knew about the materials characterization that is available on campus, and it's always been very high quality and impressive. And then with HST, uh, on the books and being planned. Um, and I don't remember if in the summer, the first scoop of dirt had been taken out of the ground yet or not, but everything was marked out for this is where the building's gonna be and we're gonna start construction. And so that kind of led me to thinking that, well, maybe this is an opportunity where I could make a difference and do something to help stimulate more activity. And so, you know, that initial quick get to know you visit ended up in a to a more formal visit. Yeah. And I said yes. 
well, we're grateful and thankful that you that you did so it, it, in the middle of a pandemic, nonetheless. And so you probably haven't yeah, well, we weren't expecting that full but. experience <laughs> of, of Lehigh yet. But but let me ask you about the health science technology building and how much that you met you mentioned it. Mm-hmm. And did you do you see that as a as an affirmation of this culture of interdisciplinarity or something that will um, uh, kind of change? Uh, a culture uh, or uh, a little bit of both? What, 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 does, what do buildings do? Depends on how the buildings are designed. Right? So a building could be designed to be here are these isolated labs and isolated offices and you go in your office, you close your door and you don't interact with anybody and you've got your lab and it's yours. And then a building could be designed to be sort of open um, yeah, there are private spaces because, yeah, you kind of do want some personal space, but there can be an open floor plan where you can interact with people more easily. And, you know, sometimes you need more lab space, sometimes you need lots. It just sort of depends. And so, well, labs in a university, it's not, my, it's not really my space, it's a university space. And so, Having flexibility and being able to share, I think, is going to be cost-effective, should be cost-effective from the university perspective, but creates opportunities to interact with more people, think about new areas of research. And I think with the mix of researchers that are currently being thought about for HST, there's an opportunity to create something entirely new. And that's really exciting. And along those lines, what, you know, the, your, your work spreads across, you know, so many different fields. And I'm, I'm wondering if you have already identified at Lehigh the intersection of those fields, if that story has been written or hasn't been written here yet. The building's not open, of course, but it, it's not all about the building. So specifically where for you where is that intersection how would you define that intersection of your your interest and your expertise here at Lehigh? So broadly my interest is in polymer and hybrid you know inorganic organic materials for energy storage and conversion but part of that interest also relates to designing new kinds of form factors for devices. Can we make completely flexible electronic devices or stretchable ones where the flexible, stretchable piece could be applicable for some sort of biomedical sensor kind of application? And so that's an opportunity that sort of in the back of my mind, and it'd be really neat if we could make it happen. It hasn't happened yet. And those would be new discoveries that you're looking forward to here at Lehigh. Correct. Then another new area here at Lehigh is, you know, I've had a chance to interact with um, some of the, you know, physics faculty in addition to some of the materials and chemi faculty where we're looking at new hard materials opportunities and for 
photonics and electronics. And that's an area that we've had preliminary discussions. Uh, and as a group, um, there's been a proposal that's been submitted. Um, we'll see whether funding comes through, but the discussions have started. And so there's an opportunity now to begin to work together. And all of those faculty at this point will be, will be housed in HST. And so it'll be much easier to interact. Would that be, if not, what would be your elevator pitch to a potential graduate student if you were, you know, in a in a building and well, nobody yeah. goes in, and nobody goes in buildings with elevators anymore. But you could imagine if you were in an elevator with a potential graduate student, what, what why, why, why should a, a young graduate student come to the I? Because there is a lot of new there are a lot of new initiatives. And there are exciting opportunities to get engaged in research activities that cross disciplines where, yeah, you need to get depth in one area, but broadly you can see how your interest may relate to another completely different discipline. And then by making contacts, you can begin to chart new paths forward. And there are opportunities for you to, to learn to network, leading to new interactions, leading to new research activities, where, yeah, you can say, this is yours, this is why you got started. Yeah, in, the, in the year of the COVID, have you had much exposure to Lehigh undergraduate students this past year? Only over Zoom. Okay. Would your advice to them be the same? How, 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 what, what would you say to, to Lehigh undergraduate students that are listening to this about their own interests and pursuits? Follow your dreams and take advantage of the time that you're at Lehigh to explore some of those dreams. Because yeah, as a grad student, you, you still have the opportunity to take courses, but a little bit more limited. As an undergrad, this is your chance to learn something new. And if you think you might be interested in it, find a course and figure it out. And it may lead you into something new. It is the time for experimentation, isn't it? There's right. a lot of choices. Yeah. I want to circle back to something you mentioned uh, twice, um, unprompted, about mentors. At, at, Bell, at, Bell, at Bell Labs. And I hope that you had mentors, although you came into the academy you know, as a professional, as an adult, but I'm curious about women in STEM and, and mentors and kind of trying to connect the dots. Were these mentors to you beneficial because you were a woman? What was the environment for women in chemistry at Syracuse and then at Bell Labs? Uh, and then I'll ask you some follow-ups, but I'm, I'm wondering if that, that, uh, about that, uh, that environment. Yeah. I was kind of clueless as an undergrad, um, and so it never it never registered that I was the only woman in my chemistry class. It was just chemistry class, that's the way it is. Um, but when I stayed at Syracuse for my graduate work, I had, as an undergrad, I started doing research in one of the groups, 
And I think what attracted me to that group is that there were, I think at the time, two women who were grad students and one who had graduated already. And so I wasn't consciously aware of it, but I think in retrospect, that attracted me to that particular research group. And so I wasn't the only one. And this isolation thing never came up. And then when I was interviewing for positions, I interviewed at Bell Labs and I had, yeah, there were women on my schedule and there were clearly women in the audience for my presentation. I interviewed at a couple more traditional chemical companies at the same time, and there are no women to be seen. Not quite true. And one of the sites, I was walking with my host from one discussion to the next, and my host pointed out, oh, we do have women here. See, there's one in the lab over there. I got an offer from Bell Labs. I got a couple of other offers. I accepted the one at Bell Labs. Was it consciously because I saw a more diverse environment? No, it, because it, the conscious decision was, hey, I get to do what I want to do versus I get to do what I'm told to do. So that, that was the deciding factor, but it was also a diverse environment at, yeah, this was late seventies. Right. So it was unusual. And how about now or through your career in the academy? What, how do you see your role in mentoring women or women in STEM? I, do I actively seek out to mentor? Probably not as actively as I should. However, I do mentor young women, both graduate students, undergrads, and postdocs. And you know, as an example, at Georgia Tech, had you know worked with one of my colleagues in chemical engineering to pull together sort of a lunch group where for young women grad students to be able to you know, just casually talk about everyday things that they may be running across and you know, sort of talk, talk about, well, what could you do in this particular situation? Whether it's career advice, whether it's personal advice, just to build a relationship. And, and I think that is something which is an important thing to do. Uh, and, and I got to admit, I enjoy working with undergrads. And so I also had a number of undergrads doing research in my group, many of whom went on to grad school. So I think in general, women, let's say, in kind of a group discussion, tend to be quieter. 
and frequently won't ask a question just for the sake of asking a question. That's not necessarily true for everybody. And I think so that leads to women frequently don't get hurt as much. And if they don't get hurt, there's less of an opportunity for recognition of what they're able to do, what they bring to the table. What does Elsa Reichmanis do when she's not working with polymers and ultraviolet light and making new discoveries? Um, she likes to do needlepoint. Uh, she likes music. One of these days I'll get back to playing the piano, but okay. Uh, yes, reading um, and enjoy hiking. I like being outside. Absolutely. Elsa, I have one last question for you, not related to, to Lehigh or Bell Labs or, or Georgia Tech. It's, it's um, my own kind of human interest uh, question I like to ask people. So if you'll entertain me, I would appreciate it. Sure. Is there anything that you're sure of? Anything that I'm sure of? That I made the right decision to come here? Great answer. <laughs> uh, Elsa, thank you. It's been a real thank pleasure. You. Welcome to Lehigh. I've, I've taken Thanks some notes. I look forward to introducing you to Tony Silvoy at the Goose. It'll be a memorable experience. One of thank many you. at Lehigh, I hope. All right. And, Sounds good. Uh, I'm Stephen McIntosh, Professor of Chemical and Biomolecular Engineering and Associate Director of the Institute for Functional Materials and Devices at Lehigh University. Thank you to our guest, Elsa Reichmanis, Professor and Carl Robert Anderson, Chair in Chemical Engineering. Since Elsa joined Lehigh in 2020, we've worked together on numerous tasks, from co-teaching undergraduate thermodynamics to steering the design of research space in Lehigh's new Health Science and Technology Building. Elsa embodies what it means to be a professor at Lehigh. She's an exceptional researcher, leader, and educator who combines these attributes with approachability, dedication, and thoughtfulness. Special thanks to our sound engineer, James Plotkin, co-producers Aaron Firestone and Janet Norwood, and the Lehigh University Office of Development and Alumni Relations. Go inside the episode at lehigh.edu slash go-getters to learn more about Elsa. And don't forget to subscribe to Go-Getters on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or your podcast app of choice. And take a moment to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts so other listeners can find us.